You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So Christmas, right? Christmas is all about surprises, it's all about presents, it's all about those things. We know, really, that's we don't tell our children that, we tell our children it's all about family and Jesus. And, but my kid, really, all he's looking for is the biggest pile of presents possible, right? And the point with Christmas is, is it's actually like, for, for my kids, it's a surprise. They don't know what they're going to get, right? The real Christmas story, however, isn't a surprise for us because we've got the book and we've got the story and we know what the end of the story is before we've even started what the story is at the beginning. So Christmas can sometimes be a little bit kind of, oh, yeah, I know the end of the story. Yeah, 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 Jesus, yeah, yeah, savior of the world, yeah, 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 baby, yeah, yeah, sweet, you know, Nazareth, sweet, awesome, the end, when's Easter? Um, Supermarkets, honestly, they're getting worse. Like December the 26th, there's Easter eggs in there and I'm like, for goodness sake. Let the man be born. Anyway, um, but I don't know about you, but my, I hope you've had an experience at Christmas where you had a present that you weren't expecting and it like made your Christmas, made your year. Now, I am um, the, the son of uh, pastors. My parents are pastors. In fact, I think I'm about fourth or fifth generation pastors, which is cool, I guess, but um, it's cool. But, but with being pastors in the, where my parents were pastors, um, we, we weren't like flushed with cash. We were never poor. We were never like not well off. But it was kind of that thing where like when the, when like the latest console came out, that was like a dream because I got the one below that because that was now being cheap. That was sold off cheap. So I'd get that one, right? Not against it. I'm just telling you that's my reality. Until 1997. 1997, the Nintendo 64 was the console. And I, for Christmas, with my audacious spirit, said, Mum, Dad, I want a Nintendo 64 and Goldeneye. Yeah. <sighs> I apologise to this group over here. You are young people. You don't know what I'm talking about. Just go, wow. Yeah, don't Google it, because, again, it's not as impressive now. GoldenEye was the game. It was the game. It was unbelievable. And, I, and I, if I'm honest with you, I didn't really believe I'd get it. And I opened my present, and inside was the Nintendo 64 yeah. with GoldenEye. I couldn't wait for the present's time to finish. I'm like, Mum, I don't care what you've got. Just let me out of the room. I, wanna, I was at my nan's house. I went to the other room. They had a second TV. They were posh. The TV was old. It was one of those ones that was six foot deep and two foot wide. And I turned it on, and I was excited. It was all plugged in. And they went, oh, yeah, you've got to wait five minutes for the, uh, for the tube to warm up before you go. And I'm like, mm, mm. And then when the tube warmed up, it went black and white. And I was like, this isn't a black and white TV. This is not a black and white TV. This is a color. Nintendo 64 is a color. I need a color TV. They went, oh, yeah, wait five more minutes, and the tube will warm up enough to get color. Longest ten minutes of my entire life. But what I'm saying is, is that Christmas for me was this like surprise, a memory that I have where I'm like, oh yeah, that time was awesome. And I think sometimes for Christmas, we don't have that, especially now as an adult. Like I bought myself a pair of shoes two months ago when the shoes came out that I've given to Karis to give me for Christmas. (laughs) Woo! Christmas! Let's be blunt, right? We are looking, we're looking, we're getting an extension in January. It's exciting. I mean, buzzing about it. We're asking, we asked her parents, her parents like, what do you want to get? I'm like, can we have some vouchers for John Lewis so we can buy some crockery? 
It's not quite the same kind of vibe. And then I've got the flip of that. I've got my seven-year-old son, who I think thinks he's 17. His Christmas list this year goes as follows. A drone, an iPhone 14 Pro Max. You ain't having a phone. Sit down. PS5 and an entire gaming room. Now, I love your spirit, son, but I'm going to be honest, there's a disappointing Christmas coming your way. Here's a board game. But <laughs> I'm sorry, it's true, though, isn't it? But I love the fact that, that, that there's, this, there's this man in, in Nazareth, in, in, in Jerusalem, reading this scripture that happened 2,000 years ago, God, God coming to earth. And I don't want us to lose the, 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 like the majesty and the, like what actually happened in that moment. Let's not get so used to Christmas that it isn't actually something that is like a pivotal point in our, in our life. It is a moment where our city goes, where are we going to church for Christmas? Like, what are, like that and Easter are pretty much two times where people, I know families in my, my, where I grew up who would literally go to Chris Tingle services every year. And I'm like from an AOG church and going, what the heck are you doing with an orange? I have no idea what's going on. But they're, just, but they're just like, yeah, Chris Tingle, it's amazing. We go to this big church at midnight. I'm like, midnight? I'm in bed, mate. Anyway, um, but we read this verse all about how Jesus surprised Mary. Well, God, well, Jesus surprised Mary by being born to him. But God surprised Mary with this, this moment where it's like, hey, you're going to have a son. He's not just going to be any son. This, is, this son is actually going to be the guy that is the answer to all the problems that your people have been believing for for thousands of years. And that from this point onwards, time changes. We measure time because a moment in history happened and time changes from that point on. I love that. And people don't even know what they're doing when they say BC and AD. I'm like, I know what I'm saying. You're saying when you say that. Yeah. But here's the problem. John 1.46 says this. I'll, I'll read the bit that I want to read at the end of it, but it says, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, so why has God picked a place where the, literally the people of the surrounding areas are like, are you joking, mate? Nazareth. Nazareth's like the word. It's not even got a B&M. Like, <laughs> Nazareth's like, are you Chester's around the corner, mate. Like, have you seen the, the historic walls? Have you seen the clock? Nazareth? Nah. Not, what, what good can come from Nazareth? Well, I want to tell you this morning, surprise. Because God has used a place that people despise, people look down, and people didn't think anything good could come from to save the entire world. So my question to you this morning is, where are you and what can God do in your life? Because here's the point. God can do anything with anyone at any point if... What Pastor Lazan was saying earlier is you, you, you believe in what he does and says and actually step in faith into what he's calling you to do. <sighs> Amazing. God can use you. I want you to say to your neighbor, God can use me. No, 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 no. Like, 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 we're not, I, know, I know you're like, you're nice to each other and you can, you can I want you to say to the person next to you, like you believe it, like God can use me. Oh, I'm not, I'm not even there. God can use me. God can use me. I want to hear you. Oh, yes, he can. Here's three ways that God can use you and God orchestrates the world and the places of what's happening and people around you to help you be used by God. 
three different ways. Because the interesting thing about God is, God doesn't look for someone who's necessarily at the top of their field, although that is something that can happen. Like Paul was like the guy, the um, Apostle Paul was the guy. He was like the top of his field. He knew everything, and God used him. But at the same time, you've got these fishermen who were like not picked for stuff and not looked like on favorably and highly. You've got the shepherds who were first to the scene of Jesus who couldn't be used in a court of law because their testimony wasn't valid. So I'm just saying, Jesus doesn't, doesn't matter if you're on the top of your game or if you're at the bottom of your game. God can use you. And this morning, we're going to delve into that a little bit. Cool. First point is he orchestrates, or you can put uses if orchestrates is far too long of a word, times and places. The whole prelude to Jesus, before you get to the point where Jesus is born, there's a ton of stuff that's happened. And yet in the Gospels, that's true. So you've got Jesus' um, cousin, John the Baptist. So you've got Elizabeth, this, this woman that they, she couldn't conceive as well. And, and, and then she conceives. And then her husband can't speak for like, because he's been told by God what John's going to do. And he can't speak for months. And then as soon as he's born, he's like, yes, I can tell you all what it's about. And you've got this, all this stuff happening that goes around it. But the point is, is actually there's a whole Old Testament and from the beginning of time, there's points that are being made about the coming Savior. The things we were reading before were from Isaiah and from Micah and from different places in the Bible. That's all pointing towards this one Savior, this one moment who's going to change everything. So God can orchestrate times and places. Only you imagine the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is almost like God is playing like interstellar chess with, with what's going on, in, even in society, right? Because... The prophets before Jesus had said things like, he needs to be born in Bethlehem. But Joseph wasn't from Bethlehem. He wasn't living in Bethlehem. So how is he gonna, why is Jesus going to get born in Bethlehem? It's not all of a sudden like he's just, oh, Mary, I'm in Bethlehem. This is great. No, no, the Roman Empire goes, wait a minute. We need a census. Go back to where your parents are born. And Joseph's like, that's Bethlehem. He wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to, uh, what do I need to do in my five-stage plan to give birth to the saviour of the world? Hmm, let me read the Bible. Bethlehem, yes. Right, my plan is first, let's go to Bethlehem. No, no. What happened was, is God was orchestrating stuff so that what happened to happen was the fact that the, these, all of these things were being lined up and Jesus could be who he said and was always meant to be in time. So you've got that. You've got a census that happened. You've got Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Then they had to escape to Egypt because Herod was on, a, on like a rampage. Why? Well, you got in Hosea, out of Egypt, I will call my son. It's a prophetic word about Jesus, but Jesus isn't from Israel, Egypt. So why is he coming out of Egypt? Ah, oh, there's a stuff that's going on in the world. And they went, we've got to escape and keep safe. Let's go to Egypt. Again, Joseph wasn't like, tick on the list. Jesus is still the savior. Nailed it. They were doing what they had to do in the time, and they were listening to God, and they happened, happened to be in the right place at the right time. God was shifting and moving things. He was communicating with God's people. He was doing stuff in the unseen that only now we can sit back and look at and go, oh, I, I, oh yeah, I know what you're doing now. I think sometimes in our lives, you go through stuff. There's things that happen in our lives that feel unfair. They feel awful. They feel like, why am I going through this? But actually, what you've got to understand is that God is orchestrating. God is using times and places for you to be used by God and be used for God. I want to tell you, there's a, um, I was in Cardiff about three or four weeks ago. I have the, the privilege now as um, 
I'm, I call myself Teams Monitor because I think Teams Pastor sounds too pretentious. So I, I'm Teams Monitor for church. And so part of my role is going around and helping people like Julie, who's unbelievable, by the way. What a, what a legend in Chester. Um, we're kind of helping, and we're helping each other in the different campuses to basically, like, how do we look after volunteers well? How do we grow church? How do we help people volunteer? How do we help people find home and find their purposes within church? That's the conversations we have all the time. It's exciting to me. But I, my privilege is I get to go to, like, Cardiff, our campus in Cardiff, and our campus in, I'm going to Geneva. It's going to be really hard. I'm going to be really, really sad about it. <sighs> pray for me. Um, but we get to go to all these places. And I'm in Cardiff, right? And I'm also fortunate to be good friends with Johnny and Miriam, who are the pastors in Cardiff. We went down and used some of our half term and hung out with them. And me and Johnny are in Lidl. And I was buying, honestly, naughty snacks for myself. I, I was trying to lose weight. And I'm just buying tons of marzipan. Stolen bites are like, it's, it's catnip to me. Who's in the stolen bite train? Anyone? Yes. Hallelujah. Anyone who doesn't like marzipan, there's going to be some prayer at the front at the end. And we're going to deliver some marzipan based doesn't matter okay we're in little okay and i'm in the queue minding my own business me and johnny are just talking about nonsense because that's what we generally do and if you talk to me long enough i'll talk about something stupid and we're sitting there and this guy turns around to me and johnny walks off to go and i don't know he forgot something i think it was small white pumpkins for the for the light party um, and so he goes and buys some pumpkins and this guy turns to me and goes do i know you and for some reason i just i don't know why i introduced myself as andy from audacious but it seemed like the right thing to do. I don't, just like at the school gate, yes, I'm Andy from Audacious. You're welcome. No, I, I introduced myself to Andy from Audacious. He went, whoa, I used to go to Audacious in Manchester. And I was like, cool, I thought I recognized your face. And we had this conversation, and basically he's running away from God by moving to Cardiff with his girlfriend, and he meets us and says, I've been thinking about church again recently. I was like, cool, do you know there's Audacious in Cardiff? And he's like, is there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, by the way, Here's the pastor. <laughs> Boom. And I want to just tell you right now, this isn't just one of those preaching stories where this guy never then met up with anybody else. Johnny's actually met with him. He's supposed to be in church this week, and he's meeting with him again next week. So it's actually a story that's actually not one of those things that's like, I met this man, I preached the gospel, and we never know if he's there or not, but it's a great story. Ha ha. No, no, this man is now connected into, into the life and family of church. He was minding his own business. I was minding my own business, but I happened to be in the right time and the right place and say hi to the right person. God can use you wherever you are. God can use anybody. I am no one special that God sent me to Lidl. The funny thing is, is Johnny on the way there went, we're going to Aldi. And I was like, cool. And he goes, eh, I fancy Lidl tonight. And I was like, shalom. Jesus moves. But I just want you to have this healthy, on, on the balance of that, like God can use you and God can do things in and through you. But the balance of that is also in James 4, verse uh, 13 to 15, it talks about, the fact that it says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What even is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and then he goes on. There's a healthy, we need to have a healthy sense of self. Where actually, I, I, like Karis and I, as a, we say it as a joke, but actually we say it quite frequently to each other when we're doing things that are a bit like exciting or like scary or whatever. We're like, Karis, you're not a big deal. And she goes to me, you're not a big deal. And I'm like, I know. Um, but it's like this, this level of humility we're trying to create within us where, yes, God's going to use us to do things. And yes, I've, had the, I've got the opportunity to stand here with a microphone in my hand. But who, like, I'm not a big deal. I'm just someone that's 
follow the path, listen to what God said to do, and opportunities have led up to to a point where I can stand on the stage and go, hey, God used me in little ones. That's cool. And I want you to know that actually we need this healthy sense of self where actually humility, number one, but second of all, life is fleeting, life is short. Take every single opportunity you possibly can do because I don't know what that guy's life is going to lead to. I hope that he finds faith. I hope that he finds salvation and home and family and friendship and all those things. And then I'm going to meet him in heaven in how many years' time when I'm there with him. But I'm just saying to you, we took an opportunity. We were open. We were there. And God orchestrated a time and a place. Okay, number two. He orchestrates people. Um, Mary in in the Bible before she was when she got pregnant she was pregnant she's having a baby and uh, she goes and meets Elizabeth who is kind of like she's their relation so um, Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins so they're related so she's kind of going hey sis we're both pregnant this is cool and in a moment what happened was is John the Baptist who was destined to be the person that was the precursor to, to Jesus he was the one that was going to set the way and set the and lead the way to Jesus they're in the womb. And John the Baptist is like, whoa, because he's, the, he's almost got this, like, the purposes of God in his life are starting to happen for him. And he's got the Holy Spirit in him. And he's just like, I am near my future. I am near something that is going to change the world. Two people meet, and unbeknownst to anybody else, this baby's going nuts in the belly. Like, I used to like getting my mobile phone and putting it on Karis's belly. And the baby's like, get away from me. If you've not done that yet. Great evening's entertainment. Um, but I just, I just kind of want to say, really, that like, th- th- they didn't plan for that. They weren't kind of like, well, look, John the Baptist in here, or John as he's going to be known as, between the hours of six and seven really kicks. Let's make a moment where at six o'clock in the thing, we'll go along and be like, boop, boop, boop. Well, oh, look, he's kicking. It's amazing. Look, the Holy Spirit's doing something. No, no. Just orchestrated a moment where two people met and something happened that was supernatural, that something that, that happened that wasn't in control of like the people around, but God did something. I want to say to you, like I was in Lidl to somebody else, a person that made an impact and, made, and was there to be used. You can be a person in your situation, wherever you are, wherever you're from and whatever you're doing, that God can use you in that. God needs architects. God needs pastors. God needs people who are in high school and in college. God needs people in every sphere of the world. Why? Because you're a person. You're not just a person. You're a person with purpose, and you're a person with a vision, and you're, a pur- you're someone with a call of God on your life that can actually change the, the, the destiny for some people. I love that there's Steve here. Steve is the neighbor of a person from our church that was invited to church, and now he's been here for, what, five, six weeks? I love that. I met him this morning. I'm like... Yes, you are the people that were put in the right place at the right time to reach somebody that needed to be supported. I love that. It's amazing. But it's normal. It's almost mundane. It's almost just like, well, I just spoke to my neighbor. Like, I just went in for some marzipan. Like, why is God going to use my marzipan-based addiction? Just be honest, guys. It's it's pretty deep. I just want to just tell you this quick story. Karis and I's moving to Manchester was this like testimony thing where essentially I was doing college, 
there was loads of stuff happening. Like my dad, there was a, like a, a trouble with our church, and my dad had gone off with like he had a mental breakdown. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the son supporting my dad, and we're planting a new church because of stuff that had gone on. And I'm at co- I'm at college, and and I lived in London, and I travel up on a Monday in the afternoon, in the morning on a train. I do audacious college Monday night. I then get on a train, travel to Preston, which is about half an hour drive, which is about a I don't know, 25, 30 minute train to Preston, get off the train, get picked up by Karis's parents, stay the night there, get up at 5.30 in the morning, go back to the train station, go back to Manchester, do my lectures, get back to the train, go back to Preston, sleep 5.30 in the morning, get up, go back to Manchester, get back on a train after lectures to go to London, then serve in my church Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then Monday would come, back on a train, back on a train, Preston. Right, we're doing all that stuff. And then one moment happens in an audacious conference where I'm sat there and my young people couldn't count. So there was 15 people there and I'm somewhere else because there was 16 of us. And God speaks to me and says, you need to move to Manchester in a moment. I was like, mm, okay. And so I text Karis and I'm like, I think we need to move to Manchester. Now, context of this is we've just planted a church. My dad, is men- like, his mental health isn't great. I'm like, I don't don't know how this works. Anyway, so I text Karis and go, I think we need to move to Manchester. She texts me at the exact same time saying, I think we need to move to Manchester. And we're like, whoa, what's happening? And, but we, for four or five years, stayed in London, planting church, building the foundations, because we had a, a call on us to, to dig deep foundations so that when we left, what we left was going to be strong, not fall over, right? Which is cool. But then you guys know Adam and Rachel at, um, King Anfield, right? I was Adam King's youth pastor from his age of 13, right? So I've known him a long time, okay? And not to go too deep into Adam's testimony, because you can ask him yourself, but there was a moment where stuff in his life was falling apart, and I was in the praise pit in Manchester, and God said, ring Adam. My My honest reaction was, again, are you serious? Like, I pulled him out of enough stuff, like, time to go on your own, son. I call him up. He moves to Manchester, sleeps on our sofa for two or three weeks. We find him digs, and He's now serving in your church and being incredible, not because of me, because I heard something and I did something. I'm telling you that in your humble, your mundane, your normal, God can interrupt you and you can change somebody's life. There's going to be a baby born that may not have been born if I hadn't made a phone call to Adam. He met his wife. That's cool. I love that. He's not, I hope they're going to name it Andrew. Uh, if I don't, I'm going to have some serious words. But um, hey, I just want you to know that in Esther 4, verse 14, it talks about Esther being, in, uh, being a person at such a time as this. God can use you at such a time as this. You're perfectly positioned. Okay, number three, I've gone slightly over. We'll be okay. It's okay. God orchestrates plans and purposes. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. You're not made by, a mis- you're not made by mistake. Your parents may not have expected you to come, but God knew you were going to come. God knows you from the beginning and from, from the end. It talks in the Bible in Psalms about God knitting you together in your mother's womb. There's an intentionality to that. There's an intentionality to what God's got for you. And I always say, in youth, we, they all roll their eyes and laugh at me, but I'm always saying you're made on purpose for a purpose. And do you know what? God sees you. Because if you don't feel seen in the church today, I want you to know God sees you. God knows knows you. God knows you. Not just the crowd, God knows you. And also God loves you. He loves you so much in fact that he actually made Christmas happen so you had a saviour, so you could actually be in relationship with God. That is how much God loves you. His purpose and plans for you, it's amazing. There's people and history that's happened before you that made you get to, that got you to a point where you could make a decision and you're going to make a decision to be in church today. 
I wonder in your life, who has been before you? Who was it that invited you to church? Who was it that lived a life of faith? And like my grandparents and grandparents' grandparents, right? Who put God first for generations that allowed me to have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and live a life that is purposeful from a God that's given me purpose. You can also be a person in someone else's journey. In fact, I'm going to rephrase that. You are going to be a person in somebody else's journey where if they hear a message like this in 10 years' time, they're saying, oh yeah, Abby Watling. I met her on the street and I, yeah, Abby Watling. She, she invited me to church and now I know Jesus and now I'm married with kids that are in church that have got faith. And There's a ripple effect that comes out. God works his will but integrates our lives into his plans and purposes. We're not forced to do anything. We get to choose to be a part of it or we choose to not be a part of it. But I want to tell you this. When someone says Nazareth, what good could come from Nazareth? They are instantly missing the point and missing the opportunity to have God speak into their life, to be a part of their life. Later on in the Bible, Jesus went back to his hometown and he, it says there, I love this because Jesus is awesome, but it says they couldn't, he couldn't do many miracles. So he could, he still did some miracles. Like he's like, yeah, I've got five. I can do, I can do five miracles. But he couldn't do many miracles. Why? Because they were too comfortable and they thought they knew where he, oh, he's just the son of a carpenter. He's from Nazareth. Like, what's this guy talking about? He's just above his station. Just ignore that guy. He goes elsewhere. Miracle, 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 saved. Healings, salvation comes Let's not get so normal to the miraculous nature of what Christmas represents. Because Christmas is the start of the story in many senses. Like it's like a, well, the start of the story was creation, but it's the start of this savior, saving plan for the earth that we get to live in now. And one day, it will come to it will come to the end of that part of the plan and move into the next part of the plan which we get to be a part of which is eternity you have a plan and a purpose that is so much bigger for your life than you could ever 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 understand Abraham was this nomad guy that just went on a walk because God said hey go and I'll tell you where to go he was the father of nations David was this shepherd boy that killed giants and became a king Esther was this orphan girl made into a queen and saved a people group. Joseph, rejected by his own family, became prime minister and saved nations through a time of famine. You had Noah who saved everybody, saved the world through building an ark when he was told. It was mental to build an ark because it's a desert. He was like, oh yeah, God's told me to do it. I'm in. I'm, I'm fully in. You've got Jonah the belly of a whale. He tried to run away from the purposes of God, but God couldn't help but have his hand on his life and his people group still got saved. You've got Rahab who was a prostitute, saved God's people and ended up in the line of Jesus as part of Jesus' lineage. Hey, God brings his salvation plan through anyone at any time, anywhere. And I want you to be a part of that because right, reality is, let me tell you this, it carried on. You've got people in modern day history like Mary Magdalene. You've got people like George Washington Carver, John Newton. These people that followed the call of God on their life, God used them and changed everything. John Newton was a slave trader who then eventually wrote the song Amazing Grace who saved a wretch like me. He was a wretch because of what he had been doing, but God used him to start emancipating slaves. And all of a sudden we live in a society now where that's not okay. 
God can use a boy with a dream from Belfast to be in a church in Chester right now. God can use Josh Hall, who actively ran from God to be the youth pastor in this church right now. Why? Because there is a plan and a purpose on every one of your lives. The plan doesn't have to be you become a pastor of Audacious Church. The plan is you impact your circle, you impact your world for the coming good news of Jesus Christ, which starts, surprise, surprise, at Christmas. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 